Thank you, Stan, worship team, for leading us in those songs of praise and just reflecting upon uh, the, just the glory of, of Christ's church, and the, the body of Christ, the family of God. So that's one encouragement and uh, especially thankful because it's because of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have uh, this, this church that we're part of, that we're here. That we're here. And welcome to everybody that's here. If you are visiting with us, kind of for maybe the first, second, third, fourth time, we're glad to have you. And we hope that you will come to know and understand uh, why we are here as a church, that we're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ uh, to the glory of God. That's our mission. That's our, our purpose as a church. And if uh, you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to be a follower of Christ, then we invite you to come here. This is, uh, this is where you can begin that journey. And we're glad to share with you uh, the, what the Lord has taught us in his word. So we continue our worship now, and, and we look to the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, you can take them. And please turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 12 to 31. I was actually hoping to preach the whole chapter at, at one point, but uh, it's, this chapter is just too rich with uh, details that I couldn't overlook. So we're going to look at 12 to 31 today, and we're going to look at these, uh, uh, these uh, 20-some passages, 20-some verses as an encouragement to us. Before we look to the word, let's uh, pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. and Thank you for revealing to us uh, not only who you are in your word, but Lord, who we are as a church, as a body of Christ. Uh, we pray that as we look to your word, may your spirit fill us. May your spirit teach us. May your spirit show us who we are to be as a body and as members of of the body of Christ. Father, we pray that your spirit would cause us to, to make the changes that are necessary, that you would convict us, so that we might become a more effective member of the body of Christ. Father, help us all to be faithful in our participation in the life of this church so that you might accomplish that which you will for your church here in San Francisco. We're grateful, Father, for this time as we look into your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would draw all of us closer to you this morning, cause us to respond ultimately with a love for you and a love for one another, uh, and as because we have come to know what you have to say more. So we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, this is our first, our first month of the year, and we're always, as we habitu habitually been doing, we go through a, a series called our Mission, Vision, Value series. And what we want to do in these series is every year, we just highlight again, go back again to the, the basics, the fundamentals of why we exist as a church. What makes this church uh, San Francisco Bible Church? And we cover things like our mission, our vision, and our values. Last week, I, I, we started off with a, with a sermon on the mission of the church. And we already mentioned what that is. The mission of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission, really. It's to make disciples of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Uh, but today, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at some, our core values, the values of SF Bible. Now, uh, <clears throat> now, these values or these core values sometimes is what they're called, especially in, in the business world, can be almost defined uh, sometimes as the building blocks of this church. They are, if you would look at the, if you could somehow break this church down and, and look at what builds this church up, what is it composed of, you would find these blocks in every ministry. It's almost kind of like DNA, you know, DNA kind of, you know, you scratch your skin and then some flakes fall off and, and you get to test that, that's, you'll find your DNA in there. You cut off a piece of hair, you go look at it and, and you find your DNA in there. In fact, every part of our body has our DNA in it. 
It identifies who we are. And that's what core values are. They help us identify if we were to scratch any part of this church ministry, we were to take any one of you, cut you open, look inside of you. If we were to take a ministry of this church and, and take a good look at what you do, why you do it, we would find, I hope we would find, what we call these core values, these building blocks. These values, these biblical, biblical values, biblical principles, priorities that, will, that guide and direct each and every ministry in the church, but also the ministry of the church as a whole. In fact, without these core values, the church would not be able to fulfill its mission and vision that God has given us. So as the Bible, as you know, has four core values. And um, I was just curious, just by raising a hand, don't say it yet, but how many of you know all four of those core values or the four building blocks? Oh, yeah, about the same amount as first service. Okay, that's great. And that's why we preach this series. That's why we preach this, because I want you to eventually, you know, hopefully after like 30 years of this, you're like, oh, I, got, I know at least one, okay? Uh, but really, I'll give you a clue. You, once you learn the first one, uh, that's good. Oh, Raymond, raise your hands. Thank you, Raymond. <laughs> so um, there are four core values that we have, and, and by reviewing it, we're hopefully we'll, these will uh, shape your understanding of what's important in SF Bible. And if you're, particularly if you're a ministry leader, some of you are ministry leaders. By the way, ministry leader meeting next Saturday, 9 to 1. So please, if you haven't RSVP'd, please do that. There are four core values, four values. And, and by the way, I don't know what you call this church. Some of us call it SF Bible. Some of us, especially the older folks, uh, used to call it SFBC. But then whenever I go to sfbc.org, I hit up the San Francisco Boys Chorus. So I, I just like, whatever. I, that's, I'm not going to use that. So I've been using SF Bible because when I type in SF Bible, I get the, our website. All right, so SF Bible, SFBC. But I, when, we, uh, when, I, when we kind of formulated this, Many years back, we actually called it the four building blocks. We started with this acronym, SFBC, and it kind of just helps you to memorize, memorize it. So if you remember this acronym, SFBC, you should be able to memorize the core values of SF Bible. And the first core value is pretty obvious. It starts with C. We'll go backwards, by the way. is Christ. Christ is a core value of the church, right? This Christian church, the core value is Christ, duh, right? But that, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, a church that doesn't talk about Christ you should run away from that church, okay? Every church, its core values should be Christ. Because why? Not just because we say so. Not just because he's just our favorite guy. Because Matthew 16, 18, the Bible, the scripture says so. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, he said, I will build my church. So what do we need to build a church? Christ, okay? Because Jesus says he will build his church. He'll build upon the confession that Peter made upon that cross, upon on that when he asked him the question, who do you say that I am? Jesus, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that confession, every Christian, every throughout all history, all ages, wherever you are across the world, you make this one common confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and he is the divine son of God. That's our common confession. It's, it's true of everyone. And this, is, this uh, message, this person, is at the center, the focus of every ministry of this church, and should be. We proclaim the gospel of Christ. We aim to be more like Christ. We follow the words of Christ. That's what we do, Christ. So if you remember no other principle, no other core value, remember this one. We want to be Christ-centered, okay? That's, what, no, that's easiest. Everything else follows from Christ, all right? So B, it stands for Bible, Bible, okay? In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul commends the elders of Ephesus. He commends them to God's word. He's going to lead them. Not, they're not going to see him again. He says, but I commend you to God and his word. Why? Because his word is able to build you up, he tells them. 
Why do they need the word to build them up? Because he tells them, because in the days ahead and the years ahead, wolves are going to come in. People who want to destroy the flock, who want to destroy the church. There are people who want to destroy the church, and, but yet God wants to build the church. How does he going to build the church? He builds it through his word. He says, you be men of the word so that you would keep watch over yourselves, keep watch over the flock, because this word is going to build you up. The truths within this book are what we preach, what we teach. We know it's these words that, give, that save mankind, that save any sinner who comes in humble repentance before the Lord. Therefore, the church, this church and every ministry of this church aims to always help others to better understand and apply to live out God's word in our lives. We, wanna, we want to be a Bible teaching church. That's core value number two. I'm going to skip core value three because that's what we're going to hit on today. But I want to touch on core values number four, the letter S. And S stands for servants. Servants. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9, that men like he and Apollos, they were great preachers, yes. But he says, who are we? We're merely servants. We're servants. We're not, you know, they might be people with, well, those are great leaders. Those are great preachers. I'm just a preacher, but they're preachers, you know. But they were great, but yet when he says, who am I? We're just servants. That's a key lesson. When people we think of as being great recognize who they are, that they are servant leaders. That's the term we tend to use in this church. Every ministry leader of this church, everyone who's a pastor, elder, who's a deacon, deaconess, who's a ministry leader of the church, a teacher, uh, anybody who's entrusted with any oversight of any people, ministry in the church must be servant leaders. We don't need leaders who just think of themselves as being like non-be-served uh, uh, leaders. We don't want people who just come and say, I'm going to make decisions, I'm going to tell you what to do. You need to do this, do that, and go jump to it. We need people who are willing to, yes, give direction at times, yes, give instruction at times, but ultimately to be also be ready to do the work ourselves, to be the example for the flock to follow. And so S stands for servant leaders. We need that in every ministry. It's important. Uh, we don't need uh, prideful, arrogant leaders. We need humble servant leaders. Uh, that's, and that's what Christ builds the church through uh, because uh, ultimately the church is God's building, God's field, that all of us, whoever, all of us as servants of Christ work together. We belong to Christ. We serve him. Well, the third one, the co- third core value is what I want to highlight today. And uh, it stands, it's the letter F. And you might have already guessed that it stands for family. No, not the family that's at your home, but it's the family of God. That Christ builds his church through the members of the family of God. Through this, that just those who are genuinely saved, believers in Jesus Christ. Christ builds the church. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, which we read in our call to worship, Paul explains that the church is like a body. It's like a body. It's like a human body with different parts of the body and different parts of the body that are all connected to one another. Just as our bodies are connected to each other by the ligaments and by the you know the skin and the and the vessels and whatnot of our and the bones of our body. But not only is every member connected to the body, but every member contributes to the body. Right, just like a body. There's no no single part of our body that doesn't play a particular part in the functioning and growing and the building up of this particular body. And the same goes for the church of Jesus Christ. It's like a body. And it's to build every member of this body of Christ is to be connected with one another and have relationships with one another and community with one another. But also as it contributes to one another's lives. So in that way, using our gifts, using our skills, or even using just the word of God, we cause the growth of the body 
in love. So this particular principle, this fourth principle, the core value of the family, that we are uh, uh, the church that, uh, that emphasizes the family of God, the importance of every member of the family of God, this is elaborated by Paul in our passage today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. Now, this letter, 1 Corinthians, you've probably studied many times before. You've probably read a lot about the church in Corinth. And I kind of like the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth, uh, I can relate to it because it's like the city of San Francisco. It's almost like the church in San Francisco, you know. And it's, it's because it was, well, it was a, it's a, kind of a, a, uh, a major city, just like San Francisco, a major city. It was a port city. It was a, a place where a lot of trade, travel, people, all sorts of places. It was between uh, the Macedonia and Achaia was right between the two. So there was a lot of crossroads. But a lot of people would come through this area. And it was a port city. And, of course, it was a very, uh, was a very immoral city. It was known for its immorality. And uh, well, SF is no, no different. But what I love about the church of Corinth is that in this city, this international city, this world-class city, this uh, port city, this immoral city, was the church of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, a year ago, someone tell people about San Francisco, say, there's Christians there? Well, look around you. There's Christians here in San Francisco. Praise God. And there's not just Christians, but there's churches in San Francisco. There are churches, and that's to the praise of the glory of God. But... The church of Corinth had problems. They had issues. Well, we got issues. But, hey, what church doesn't? But every church has issues. And their church, they had one particular issue, was that they, they, were, they were basically having division over the spiritual gifts. There were some who thought that the spiritual gift of tongues was the most important tongue. Or was it because it was so visible, so, so flashy, such an amazing, miraculous type of sign gift that everybody wanted to have it. In fact, those who did have it thought that they were better. In fact, they even thought that they didn't even need some of the other spiritual gifts. We gather all this from just how Paul addresses their, uh, answers them in this chapter, uh, chapter 12. Paul answers the question, with the, first of all, in verses 1 to 11 of chapter 12, with a reminder that you ask me about spiritual gifts. Well, I want to tell you about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to us all by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God gives to each and every one of you a distinct spiritual gift for the common good. So he immediately just kind of corrects them, undercuts all, and just says, you guys are all using it to puff yourselves up for you think it's one gift's more important than the other. But all the gifts are given to us by the Spirit, and they're all given for a common good, for a common purpose. And then in verses 12 to 31, which we're going to look at today, he illustrates his point. He gives a great illustration with the analogy of a human body. And so today we're going to look at that the health and the growth of the church is directly related to the participation of every member of the body of Christ, every member of the family of God. As an outline for us today, we're going to look at this, this passage, four aspects of the church as a body that remind us of the importance, all of us here, remind you, remind me, being a faithful member of this body. Okay, we're going to talk about what that is. All right, so let's take a look. Prince, uh, first aspect of the church as a body is this, that there is one body in Christ. There is one body in Christ. Look at verse 12 to 13 with me. Paul writes, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Now you can just spend like a whole systematic theology class just unpacking this, these two verses here. Okay, but uh, here's Paul's main point of this passage. In this whole section, he, this is his main point, that the Corinthian believers are all one body in Christ. 
Yes, they have differences. They have different gifts. They have different abilities, different backgrounds, but they're one body in Christ. And he describes the church of Jesus Christ as a body. He uses this illustration. Though the body is one, it has many members. And though it has many members, he says basically backwards, though it has many members, it's still one body. And that's true of the human body, isn't it? I mean, and so you, I mean this, it's, it's almost obvious, but when we look at the human body, it has many members, doesn't it? It has a head, a shoulders, knees, and toes. It even has eyes and ears, a mouth, and a nose. So the song goes. But to name a few. But in, that's just on the outside. The inside of the body, there are things like a, the heart and the a lungs and the, and the stomach and the, the, the spine, the, the bones. All these things that we don't even see are all parts, members of the body. And everything is part of this one body. Everything has its, every member has its own distinct function, contributes to the working of the entire body. It's the same for the church, isn't it? It's kind of obvious. I think you've heard the sermon uh, before. You know that every believer in this church is unique. None of us have this similar background. You know, we can look at I see the same faces. I say, well, a lot of you guys do look the same. We'll admit that. But you're all different. God has made you all different. God has made you, giving you different, unique backgrounds, giving you different, uh, different, <laughs> so different places of origins. God has made you different in your, your interests, your the skills, and God has mostly made you different because of the spiritual gifts he gives you. And we're all different, yet God has made us all part of this, part of this, one, this body. With your individual abilities, personalities, and backgrounds, you as a member compose, we all together compose this one body, the body of Christ. And here, uh, this one body in Christ really is, is, is almost, uh, is really speaking of the universal church at this point. We're all part of the same body. Why? Because verse 13, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. The preposition that's translated by there, uh, it can be translated as with or in even. Uh, I think with is a, is the, is a better translation. Uh, that is, when you believed, you were baptized. By the way, that's passive. So who, someone else is baptizing you with the Spirit. Who's baptizing you with the Spirit? Jesus Christ baptized you with the Spirit into his body. Remember what John the Baptist, when he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming after me will baptize you with fire and spirit, or spirit and fire. That's... Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes and baptizes either with the Spirit or he's going to baptize you with fire, one or the other. Jesus did this, and he placed you into the body regardless of your ethnic or social background. He did this by giving us the Holy Spirit to dwell within our hearts so that every Christian received the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation and became a member of the body of Christ. We are part of Christ's church. We're, we're all bound together in Christ. Do you believe it, brothers and sisters? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, you've turned to recognize you're a sinner, the need of a savior, and you recognize that Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave is the provision for your salvation, and you believe and you turn from sin to that, you believe in him, you are bound together with all believers. And this is not just a... Uh, you know, not just a, a, like a, a nice thing to say, you know. It's not just a, a figure of speech. This is a reality, a metaphysical reality even. Each of us here are part of many different organizations, many different companies, different groups, different memberships, different families even. And whereas all of these things are temporal, to be a part of the body of Christ 
is an eternal reality. So we're all one body in Christ because of Christ. By the way, the emphasis in this text is on Christ. It's kind of neat. Notice how Paul says, uh, when he talks about, in verse 12, he says about how you have one body, one body, many members. And he says, so also is Christ. It's funny, he, I almost expected him to say, so also is Christ's body. So also is Christ's church. But he says, no, he doesn't say that. So also is Christ. So when we speak of the body, when we speak of the many memories, really we're speaking about Christ. It's Christ's body. It's Christ's members. And that's what Christ is like. We are his body. We belong to him. It's kind of funny, you know. Uh, we, don't, we tend to f- get so focused on the members of the body, and we forget that the body is Christ. We're one body in Christ. You know, when you went on greeting one another t- uh, today, when you said hi to someone, did you go to say, oh, hi, Leo's ear? No, they didn't even say that. They didn't even say hi, Leo. But anyways, that's another thing, right? Now, and we didn't wanna, when you went around, you shaking people's hands, you, you know, you say, hi, oh, good to meet you, John's hand. I hope not. We're not focused on the members of the body. Instead, when we think about the members of the body, we really, no matter who, which part of the body you're addressing, or you're shaking, you're interacting with, we think of the whole person. And so when we interact with the body of Christ, we see the many members, it has many members, it's one body, but let's not forget that whoever you're interacting with in the body of Christ, it is Christ who we interact with. So also is Christ. The focus in this text is not on the members of the body, but it's, it's on Christ. You are Christ's body. You are the body of Christ. And so in light of this, every member of this church should remember that we, we don't work together for ourselves. We don't work together for any one particular member. We work together as one body for Christ. We work together not, for, not only for Christ, but we work together because of Christ, because he is our head. And we, t- we work together in the name of Christ. We work together under the direction of Christ because we are his body. We're one body in Christ. All right, so that's, that's point number one. The second aspect that we look in this text is the diversity in the body of Christ. The diversity. There is a diversity in the body of Christ. We see this in verse 14 and 19. Look at verse 14 with me. Paul says, for the body is not one member but many. And so what he does here is Paul makes an overview statement within this verse. And the body is not just one member, he says. It's not just one only one part of the body, but it's composed of many members, he's saying. Just as there are many different physical, different, uh, many parts to the physical body, there are many different Christians in the church. And though there are many different parts of the body, many different Christians in the church, the church, though composed of so many different types of people, are all simply one. Verse 13, early in verse 13, reminded that there, are, there were Greeks and there were Jews, there were slaves and there were free men in this church in Corinth. There were also, very likely, men and women. There were young and old. There were people of different languages. And yet, because of their faith in Christ, they were all one. And yet, they were, though they were, they were all different. And on top of all that, they all each had a variety of spiritual gift. Back to verse 111. They didn't have all the same gift. They all had ver- varieties of spiritual gifts. You know, in human life, Sometimes uh, we encounter people that are different, right? There are a lot of people different from us. And, and sometimes those differences become sources of conflict. And that's just true of living in this world. But our differences are designed by God. 
In fact, God designed, God teaches us in his word that we need the diversity of the body of Christ. Verse 15 to 17 talks about this need for diversity. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any less the part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And just because a foot is not a hand, it doesn't make it any less part of the body, right? The foot's just, still just an important part of the body. It's still needed, right? Or if an ear says, well, I'm not an eye, therefore I'm not a part of the body, that means it so because the ear is still needed as well. What's more, if the whole body were just one body part, like, an, we're all, like a bunch of hundred eyes, you know, that would be odd, not only. But then what use would that be? We wouldn't be able to do anything. See, without any one body part, the church, and there's so many diverse parts, without any one part of the body, the body is not going to function as it was designed. And although this is kind of a silly thought, you know, to think that, you know, the body's all one eye or one ear, one hand, but sometimes it's a reality in the church, you know. Sometimes churches become all just, uh, are only sort of become a, so similar to each other they pursue one particular gifts. And I thought about this recently just uh, in between services. Like sometimes even as a church, as a Bible teaching church, we, we really, we don't elevate the speaking tongues, but which gift do we elevate? Teaching, right? We tend to elevate the teaching gift. And sometimes people pursue the teaching gift, but what about, if this whole church was gifted with teachers, only that, no other spiritual gift, would this church continue to thrive? No, it wouldn't. Who would show mercy? Who would be the encouragement? We'd all be teaching without love. Who would, who would do the serving? There's so many needs for all the different parts of the body. In verse 18 20, we see, though, that God designed the body for diversity. He designed it with He designed it for, that this is part of God's design. Verse 18, we read, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they are all one member, where would the body be? I like this verse because beginning here in verse 18 and, and occasionally throughout the rest of the chapter, we'll often see a statement where God does this, God does this, and God does this. It says, it's very clear in this passage that God has designed the body. God has orchestrated the body. God is behind this body concept. It's not just some, you know, some thing that's socially advantageous, some social construct. We just got to get there. Well, we just realize this is helpful to be all, you know, together. But God has designed us in this way. God has made us all different. Verse 18 reveals how God sovereignly places each member in the body of Christ. Each member of the body performs that which they were designed to do. It's just as he desired. It's so cool, right? God put you in the body of Christ just as he desired. He gifted you exactly as he desired. He puts you here in this corner of, of the world, in this particular local church, just as he desired. Sometimes we feel that we're, we're, we, don't, we may not belong. Sometimes we feel out of place. But if God's brought you here, believe and you can trust that God has made, put you here, at least for now, because he's designed it so for a purpose to accomplish in your life. I love that. Verse 19 says, if they were, if they were all one member, where would the, the body be? And that's just the funny thing, you know. 
really, if you just had one member of the church, you know, just, just take, um, uh, let, me, let me illustrate first. If you saw an eyeball in the church on the ground, you know, walk up the street, you saw an eyeball? You say it was my eyeball. You say, oh, I found Henry's body. You know, you'd say, I found Henry's eye. Where's the, his body at, right? It'd just be weird because it doesn't make sense. You don't just look at one member of the body and think that that's representative of the whole church, okay? Nor a hand, nor an ear. You say, where's the rest of the body? Where's the body? Because one member doesn't make up the whole body. Now, think about it. How many times do we elevate one or particular members of the church? And I'll tell you right now, I'm guilty, number one, because the tendency is of every church is to elevate the pastor. We sometimes identify the pastor with the church, that that's Pastor Henry's church. You know, would it be nice, would, it be the, would this church be great if we made a, like 100 clones of me and this was church was all just basically identical to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't lived with me. <laughs> No, it would absolutely be not. You take the godly, okay, I'm not the godliest person, but you take the godliest person in this church right now, make a thousand clones of them, a thousand clones of them, okay, and we put them all together and call that the, you know, your name, church, Bible church. Would that be healthy for that church? Absolutely not, because none of us are perfect. We're gifted with a unique set of gifts, but we also have sinful tendencies, temptations, we wrestle with, and we're each unique. We all got it. We all have our struggles. Yeah, just, that would not be healthy. God has designed the body so that we not just be one member, so there'd be a whole body with different members all functioning together. God has gifted you and me, every believer here, with a spiritual gift for the building of the body. Every single believer, no matter how diverse you're needed in the body, we need the, all those of you who are young believers, new believers. Why? Because you guys are just excited and just thirsting to learn. You're like those babes thirsting for milk. That's just exciting to see because it reminds me, like, man, that's, that's the hunger. That's the excitement I need to have. It spurs us on, those of us that are older. We need the people who are here who just like serving behind the scenes. Say, so put me up in the pulpit. No, kill me first. But Scott, you want me to just build something back there? You want me to wash something? You want me to clean something? Sign me up. I'll do that. We need the behind-the-scenes people. We need also people who like to be up front and say, yeah, I, I'm, I love just to be up front. I love to talk. I love to, oh, I, I don't. But people who like to be up front, who, who are gifted musically, who can be, who stand up in the front and perform, that's the craziest. I would never want to be able to probably worship team. That's hard work. But God gifts some of you to be just as that. And just as much as a physical body needs any of its members, the church needs all of you. And all of you, if you're a member of this church, God, needs, God has designed it, but we need each of you. Every member is needed here in this, this diverse body of Christ. We need you to use your gifts. All right, let's move on. Thirdly, a third kind of aspect of the body of Christ here is the unity, that there is a unity in the body of Christ. Yes, there is diversity in the body of Christ, that there's many different members, and we all function together, but there's a unity in the body of Christ. We see this in verses 20 to 26. Verse 20. Paul says, but now there are many members, but one body. And so here's another, again, another summary statement, just like verse 14. He says, but here's the point. There are now many members, yes, but remember, there's only one body. There's one body that we all belong to. 
In verse 21 to 24, Paul then addresses the attitude of those in the church of Corinth who basically believed that because they had the gift of tongues or the, one of the sign miraculous gifts, that they somehow thought they were, they were better than the others. They didn't need the others in the church. But Paul reminds them that there is a need for unity in the body of Christ, a need to recognize that, yes, you might have a unique gift, but you need those others who you don't think you need. You need them too. Is it because you're one body in Christ? Look at verse 21 through 24 to me, with me. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Or the con- on the contrary, it's much true that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. For one member of the body to say to another part of the body that I have no need of you, that's just sin. It's sin. Now, I know hopefully none of you have ever said that. Said, I mean, I have no need of you. But there are times I will confess in my mind that I've scratched my head and said, Lord, why is that person in this church? Can I, I'm, can I, you know, you guys wonder that sometimes? Yeah. Believe you me, somebody's thinking that same thing about you, too. Why? <laughs> we get to, sometimes we're around people, and there's enough people here that there are going to be people that we rub shoulders with, oh, I don't, I don't like that person. Or we're going to think that, oh, that person's kind of odd. Or that person, man, that person's so needy. Oh, that person's always just coming, always needing things, needing help, always, always wrestling, always struggling. Just, you know, they're always just, you know, they, you know, just the odd person. There's the person that's just like, oh, man, that guy's so arrogant, prideful. I can't stand that person. Anyways, we have such kind of thoughts. Or maybe it's just your pastor. But that's sinful. We all need one another. It is, it is wrong to say, I have no need of you. Like some of these body parts Paul is saying. In fact, Paul says in verse 22 that it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker, those that you kind of think are weaker members of the body, he says, those are necessary. They're needed. You know, some parts of the body, those seeming to be weaker, are in reality necessary. You know, who are the most, uh, in, the, in our body, there are just parts that are just so visible. But there are parts of our body that are never seen. They never get the glory. They never get the light of day. They're inside of us. But those body parts, like your heart, your lungs, they're probably the most important parts of your brain, some of the most important parts. They're, they're apparently weaker, but very necessary. Without them, the body would die. These weaker members, and there are people like that, weaker members of the body, they might not get a lot of time, but they are important to the body. And without them, the body would, just, would be extremely, or would be hurt and may perhaps even die. But along with these weaker members, Paul then talks also about two other types of members, those who are the less honorable members and the less presentable members. And he says how these less honorable members, these less presentable members, we show abundant honor to. What is he talking about? He's basically talking about those members of our body that, that basically we are either ashamed of or embarrassed of. You know, you know, I, I know, you know, if I had a six-pack, I would not wear a suit. I'd just be wearing, you know, rib cut off. <laughs> I would just show it to you every day. There would be no pretty tie here. I would just show it to you. I would, because 
But at my age, that's never going to be again. Uh, actually, it never ever was. So. And so I cover it up. I, I wear a nice suit. So the nice suit, nice shirt, nice tie, so you don't have to see the less honorable, less presentable parts of my body. That's so true, right? And there, hey, what are you laughing? You guys got the same parts, too. Okay? We all cover it. Now, we cover our body parts because they're less presentable, less honorable. We cover them. We, we cover them. And, so we, and that's it. We show them honor. But Paul's point is this. What, what's the point of that? Well, just as we take care of our less honorable, less presentable members by, by clothing them, how much more should the members of the body of Christ take care of those that we consider less honorable, less presentable? That we show them more abundant honor. Because there is to be a unity in the body. We're to show them honor. We're to care for them. We're to minister to them. In fact, when you minister to those, you, when the church ministers to those whom we consider less honorable, less presentable, maybe they're hurting, maybe they're going through trials, they're just really messed up, they're, they're working through some addictions, maybe they've been like, uh, they're people that really are needy people. What does it do for the body? It actually makes the body stronger, right? It makes us, it puts, causes us to have more of the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ. It makes us a way better picture of the gospel of Christ, of who Jesus is when we do that. When we, that's why we need the, these apparently weaker members of the body. If we had all strong Christians, we'd be a horrible testimony of the body of Christ. Because when Christ came, he came and he ministered to those who were needy, those who were hurting, those who were sick. And that's why God brings those kind of members into the body as well, so that we can come alongside and learn to minister to them as well. But this is all, this unity of the body, this need for everyone, this being one, is part of God's design again. Look at the latter part of verse 24. All of this is all God's design, last 24b. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which will act, which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, God has arranged the body so that we need the less honorable, less presentable members of the body. We need them because there's this interdependence that we, that we have as a body of Christ, and that interdependence causes those of us who are stronger who are maybe more honorable, more quote-unquote presentable, to minister Christ to one another. So we become more the body that God wants to be. So we know love, that we know mercy, we know compassion. God has designed it so way, this way so that, first of all, on one hand, there's no division. So we wouldn't think that, I don't need you, I don't need you. I, don't wish, I wish that person would just go to the church down the street. No, we need every one of you. God's brought you all here. And I don't know. We need you. In fact, I don't just need, but God has designed it so that I would need you. What's more, God has designed it so that this unity, so that the members of the church may have the same care for one another. The same care. I love that challenge because it's really hard to do. Uh, it's easy to have care for people we like, care for people that are like us, you know, uh, in the same state, life stage. It's hard to care for someone that's much more different than us, different life stage, different backgrounds. Uh, even in this church with Cantonese and English language ministries, sometimes it's harder to minister to people who speak a different language as well. Our differences make it hard to have the same care for one another, but that's why God makes us all different and God puts us all together so we might learn to have the same care for one another, to be, uh, 
to be fair and just in how we care for one another. To not to guard us from ever having pride, thinking that we don't need anyone or that we want someone not to be part of this church. God has so designed the body. And so as a result of this interdependence in the church, what happens really to one member impacts all the other members. When one hurts, one suffers, the others, all the rest suffer. One member's honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is how God has designed the unity of the body. He has made it so that everyone in this church is dependent upon each other to form this local body. And as God has placed each one of you here, there's, just, there's no one that's not necessary. You're all necessary. Now I want to say a word to those of you who just like, who are here, but you say, well, I don't really feel cared by the church. I don't really feel like I belong here. Maybe even you've been concretely treated poorly by some of the church in this church. And that ought not to be. You don't feel like you belong. You don't feel like you've been treated or loved with the, with the love of Christ. Maybe you feel like you're invisible. This is quite common. I, I hear it from time to time. It doesn't change the fact that God has brought you here and to be part of this body. And you are needed. God needs you. God designed you so that you would be here. He has so composed the body. You might not completely understand. But then, you know, God, and of course God may move you on to another church body at some place. But until God does, God has a, a purpose for you to fulfill. So you might have the same care for another. And the question for all of us is just application. Do we have the same care for our fellow brothers and sisters Christ? In this church body, there's a lot, of, a lot of trials, a lot of needs in this church, many opportunities to serve. And I, and I often praise God because I, I see the body of Christ coming together and ministering to those who have need. Sometimes people, and I, um, people who are completely different are helping one another. And that's the testimony of God's, the, the, the unity of the church that God has created in the church, designed for the church. So we need one another, brothers and sisters. We need each other so we might care for one another. And believe me, if you say, well, I don't need others. I'm a strong Christian. Maybe right now you're strong, you're healthy, you're at the prime of your life. But believe you me, brothers and sisters, there will come a time when all of us here, each and, of us, each and every one of us here, will find ourselves being the weaker member of the body. We'll find ourselves in need, physically, perhaps financially, spiritually, socially. And when we... And you may, and your, how you, the example you set now as a stronger believer is going to set the example for others in the body to respond when you're in need. Because that's how we, God has designed the body, composed the body. All of us are going to be in need one day. And God has designed it so that we will be built up, ministered to by the body of Christ. This one body of Christ. All right, this leads us to our fourth and final uh, aspect of the church as a body, and that's this. And that is simply your part in the body of Christ. And this is just, I just want to summarize Paul's answer and then give a couple applications. This is what Paul says. And the question is, is one gift more important than the other? Is one gift that we should all, should we all seek this gift of tongues or whatever, you take your favorite uh, uh, a spiritual gift? Are the ones, other parts not necessary? 
Paul answers in verse 27, 31. It's a sort of a, a summary answer. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. By the way, notice where tongues exist on this list of spiritual gifts. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Paul is asking these rhetorical questions, by the way, that imply that no, not at all are not the same gift. In fact, we, it is a preposterous to be, all have the same gift. It goes contrary to the whole imagery of the body. You can't all be the same. You're all different, and you're meant to use it together as members of this body because you're one body. You are Christ's body. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are his heart. You are his eyes. You are his ears. You are his mouth. His God's, Paul's answer to the Corinthians challenges them, but challenges us to then act appropriately as members of this body. And I want to give you just three kind of practical applications as we conclude. Application number one is to be a member. Be a member of the body of Christ. Verse 27 says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. He's telling the Corinthian church that they are Christ's body. It doesn't mean, he's not saying that they're the universal body of Christ, even though the whole context here up to this point has been on the focus of the universal body of Christ. But at this point, he's speaking of you, the Corinthians, and says, you are Christ's body. Now, he is not for sure not saying that the Corinthian church was the only, basically was the whole universal church of Christ, because they weren't. There were many other local churches that Paul had planted in the, in the region. The understanding then is this, that the Corinthian church as a local church represents or represented the body of Christ universal. The principle is this, that every local church is a mini representation of the universal church. And SBC, as the Bible, is a mini representation of the universal church. And just as all of us here are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a member of the universal church, I hope our prayer, what we ask of you, encourage you, is that you would be a member of a local church. Be a member, be a part of a local church. And there's, every local church identifies its members a little differently. Some will just simply say, well, you coming, we'll make you a member. Okay, we're implying. But here at the Bible, because of just the large numbers, we, we have a little bit of process. But the point is, if you're, committed to, if you're committed to Christ and you're committed to this local church, that's what we're looking for. And you understand what we believe and you hold to and you're willing to be committed to this church just as we'll be committed to you, that will make you a member of, the body, of this local body. And a commitment to Christ, you see, if you're, are you committed to Christ? You believe in Christ? You should be committed to him. But if you're committed to Christ, then you should be committed to his body. Committed to a church. I encourage you just to join a local church. Join this church. Today, I love it because I love it. We're having a church family meeting. You know, every quarter, once a quarter, we have a church family meeting. And the highlight of, of the church family meeting is what? When I give my report, right? Not at all. You probably wish it could be cut in half. I, me too. Um, favorite part is new members, right? Is it not? New members? Man, that's my favorite time. I love new members because that's when I hear testimonies of people whom God has saved, God has brought into this body of Christ, and they tell me that they like me and they want to be part of this body, and if we like them, and we're welcome them in part of the body. Well, okay, what's like? I didn't do it. But they want to be part of this body, and we want to be part of the, their lives. 
when we join together, we're going to walk this life together in Christ. Because you're here and we're here with you. I love that. I love it because when that happens, it reminds me of these verses. God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. It reminds me that God has so composed the body. And God has appointed in the body these different gifts. We'll get there in a little bit. Be a member. Join a member. Be a, I invite you to join the membership of the church. Be a part. And when I say that, I don't mean just the, so you can sign on a dollar then have then therefore get a certificate. Do we still give certificates? I don't remember. But I'm a member, you know, card-carrying member. That's, that's, if you only just have a card-carrying member, you don't do anything in the body of Christ, that's, you just might tear that paper up and just burn it up. It's useless. Because the second application is this. As a member, it has a biblical meaning. And a member, therefore, will act like a member. And one of the easiest ways to act is just use your gifts. All of us have spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gift within the body of Christ. Whatever it is. I love it sometimes uh, <clears throat> uh, when people just have, like, burdens upon their heart. I, wanna, I feel like I want to do this ministry. And they come and they talk to us elders. And they, they just kind of, some of you guys are in that process right now. And it's encouraging because you are recognizing what God's gifted you to do, give you an interest to do, and you want to do something about it. And we as elders want to help release you as much as possible so you can succeed in doing that which God called you to do, to use your gifts in the body. Now, all of us have a spiritual gift. You all do if you're a believer in Christ. If you have the spirit, know what it is or try to know what it is and do, use that. It's not just spiritual gifts, but you also have interests. Usually, may be reflected in the interests that you have in the body. Serve in those ways. Um, we are to use. Christ builds up His body, and He builds it up through the members of the family of God. Therefore, we are to use our various unique spiritual gifts to build up this body of Christ, so that Christ can build up His body. We should never think that we're not needed. If God puts you here, you're needed. That's a user spiritual gifts. By the oh, I also want to add. Now, having said the user spiritual doesn't mean that you all have to have a formal ministry. Therefore, I got to find a ministry and join it. You know, I tell you the truth. If each and every one of you just came every Sunday with the commitment to say, I'm going to go to church today, not just for worship of God and get something for myself, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to seriously, prayerfully encourage one other person in the church or witness to one other person in the church that's, that's there with the words of Christ. I'm going to encourage them. Maybe something I learned. If we all did that each week, wow, we, we could just throw, get rid of all ministry in this church. Uh, well, we won't, but... You know, I'm, you know, I really believe that our needs are because this body is actively thinking about how can I minister to other people? Have that mindset. So you can do it. It doesn't have to be official ministry. You just speak when you come in. Sunday, the ministry of the pew. God, you know, I'm, I believe in God's sovereignty so much. I believe that God sovereignly puts you right where in your chair is today. And I believe that he put you there so that you will sit exactly whom you need to sit to on the left, exactly who you need to sit on the right, behind you and in front of you. And I hope you don't walk out of here and say, well, God, uh, that's not important. I'm not going to talk to any of those four people around me. I'm going to say, how are you doing? And if they, especially if I don't know who they are, I'm going to talk to them, ask them the name. If, they don't, if, I, if they're kind of new to the church, I'm going to ask them, have you come to know Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord? And if they have, that's all oh, great. Praise the Lord. Are you a member of the church? 
Oh, no, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, you know, just go on, so forth, so on. You get that I'm saying. Right. Use your spiritual gifts. Uh, thirdly, uh, an application, for, this is particularly verse 31, exercise your gift in love. All of us have spiritual gifts, but we need to exercise and give love. I love what verse 31, how Paul ends, I show you a still more excellent way. He tells us, earnest desire the greater gifts. And we talked about that, by the way, it's just a side, uh, we have time. He's talking about the greater gifts are those gifts that have a wider reach, a wider edifying reach. And though they have a greater, they're called greater gifts because they have a wider edifying reach, the gifts of teaching, the gifts of prophecy, you know, these, these wide-reaching gifts, but it doesn't make them more important. They're not more important. They're not more necessary. All gifts are necessary. It's just that some gifts are just very individual. The gifts of mercy, the gifts of encouragement, the gifts of serving, the gifts of even administration leading can be very individual. The gifts of giving are very individual. Certain gifts are just less visible, but he's called inside the greater gifts. But he says, no matter what gift you have, I show you a greater way. Don't just exercise your gift. Don't just be caught up with using your gifts. See, he really gets to the point in verse 13, in chapter 13, that your problem isn't that you guys have a question about spiritual gifts. Your problem is really you guys just don't love each other. That's your problem. And brothers and sisters, I've said a lot of stuff about what to do, be a member, go use your gifts, be part of this, or be part of that. But ultimately, it just comes down to the love. Will you, will you be a member because you love God and you love his body? Will you, be, will you use your spiritual gift because you love this church? You love Jesus Christ and you, he gave you this gift. You love the Holy Spirit. Will you serve one another because you love them? And you, we need that love because there are people whom it's hard to love in this church. But we need to use our gifts in love. And if you have love, a love for God love, that manifests and also love for one another, by the way, first thing, greatest commandments, right? And then we're going to be the kind of body that really manifests Christ. We'll be the family of God that functions as, it will, as God designed it so that when Christ says, I will build my church, you know how he builds it? Through you. Through all of you here. Christ builds his church through you. In him. One body in Christ. Well, let me conclude. Uh, last Sunday, I really, Cindy and I were just like, a little stunned. You were here last Sunday. You saw the, uh, the, the incident that took place. We're stunned. Um, you know, <laughs> we're stunned by the encouragement that we received from you guys. As you get, just to have uh, Pastor Ray come up, and I'm glad he's not here today, so he's not going to come up again. Uh, he's somewhere in the back, somewhere. Uh, but you guys just came up and just really encouraged us with your, uh, because we you know, had just completed 20 years of ministry here in this church. And I'll tell you the truth, we were surprised. We, we didn't expect it because 20 years, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's really not that long of a time. But it's not short either, I know that. But we're just so encouraged by, uh, by your love for us, by your kind words and encouragement to us. And, you know, I, you know uh, I, get, I confess I was a little emotional. That's why I couldn't give any good speech uh, right afterwards. But I, I really, uh, when I kind of within the next the hour almost, immediately my thoughts, what, what I was thankful for, uh, not only was I thankful for God because ultimately it's God's grace that makes any, any man or woman stand in a church serving him faithfully. That's, it's God. God. God does that. But I was thankful, second, my second is that I was so thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for you as a church body. I'm thankful for all of you that have been here, little kids. I'm thankful for some of you that came and you guys were like the prime of your life, but here you are and serving the Lord still. Thank for some of you who have come alongside and shared the same journey, shared the same um, 
life stages, life experiences. I've come, I really appreciate some of you who have come along and ministered to us in, in times of need. There's so many of you here who have been alongside with us in this body, and I'm thankful for this body because the body of Christ is not one or two members. It never has and never will be. It's not Pastor Henry. It's not Pastor Henry and Cindy. The body of Christ is many members in one body. And what any one or two members of this body do, it only does so because all of the members of this body have come alongside, faithfully served in your, in your relationships with us and ministered to us, we to you, all seeking to fulfill the purpose that Christ has left us on earth to make disciples of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And we've all together accomplished whatever we've accomplished. But really, it's not even us. It was Christ in us. God has accomplished it through you, the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And when we give thanks to, for 20 years, we're really giving thanks to Christ for what he's done in his body. And he's done it through all of us, all of you. Thankful for you. Well, for those of you uh, as members of the, who are members of the church, you, you would have received an invitation from us, uh, from Cindy and I, that, to join us for our church family meeting and a lunch that we'll be serving in a little few moments. And we'll be serving it uh, in a little moment. For those of you who are here, and maybe you're not yet members of the church, or you're, maybe you're a member, but you for whatever reason, you didn't uh, RSVP to my invitation. But we, we wanted, I do want to say, if you're planning to stick around, particularly if you're going to go stay around for our church family meeting, but if you really can, but you, you want to join for the meal, you're welcome, you know, welcome to join. But if I could invite you just to wait till the, you know, maybe the, the crowds have gone through, just to make sure that you know, we cover those who RSVP'd first. But uh, there's going to be some, you know, some food in the back somewhere for us to enjoy. And hopefully at 2 o'clock we'll start our church family meeting. And we're thankful for all of you, okay? We praise God. Let's, let's close in time prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this body. Thank you for Christ, who, his, whose death and resurrection uh, made it possible for this body of Christ to exist. You're not only your universal body, but this local body. And we praise you, Father, that as a church, we not only, uh, that you are, you're shaping us through Christ and his word and his servants and his family, the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we are, you made us a part of it. Help us to be faithfully, uh, faithfully participate in the life of this church to use our gifts to minister and bless one another. And Lord, help us to be faithful so that your church might be built up. Again, we are grateful, Lord, for this time. Thank you for, even for the, the meal that we're going to share in a little bit and pray that you would, be, uh, that, that you would bless our fellowship together. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.